Hello and welcome to Cup of Tea, a friendly, patient and gentle space for honest discussion and debate. In today's episode, we discuss stereotypes, masculinity and how stereotypes can give us tools to get out of one prison only to open the gates into another. So today we have some Assam tea. Uh, This is the first time I've tried it. Uh, So Harry is going to pour it out for us. We've uh, got loose leaf tea, which I've never really made before. So uh, we'll show you a photo afterwards of this hideous uh, queen tea diffuser we've got. (laughs) Uh, There she is. And we have a rainbow teapot as well. That's important to add which was uh, bought for us by one of Harry's friends, uh, Rowan. It was. Uh, in Exeter all yeah. those years ago. So There we go. Brilliant. Okay, should we give this Let's a go? Let's try it. Apologies okay. for the background noise of my squeaking chair. Right. Oh, it smells like uh, honey. Mm. Very nice. I'd say it is a strong, rich tea. Kind of tastes quite a lot like regular tea, but it's more tasty, if that makes sense. It does. So I'm thinking that it's like normal tea, but a little bit silky. Yes, a refined version of normal tea. There we go. Yeah, posh. but yeah, I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting it to be much more floral. Ah, okay. You thinking it was going to be like Earl Grey or something? Possibly, mm. yeah. But no, this is like very... It's almost like it's got honey in. Yeah, but it has it's lush, isn't it? It's really nice. Mm. Uh, I feel very posh drinking this. Yes, I do as well. Amazing. Well, Cheers. Cheers. So in this episode, we're talking about something we've talked about... Uh, for the past 10 or 11 years that we've uh, been going out and um, together. And this is the issue of stereotypes and, and particularly how we have ended up using them as uh, trans or gay communities. Uh, I've divided this kind of topic then into two uh, and the subtitle we've given this one is uh, Stereotypes as Liberation. And this is a really tricky one because I think um, for a lot of um, minority groups or people with protected characteristics, stereotypes can be actively harmful. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously that's the same for LGBT plus people as well. However, there's also an element to which um, I think within the trans community that stereotypes can almost act as a a hack, a, a sort of cheat code, if you like, uh, to try and communicate uh, differently with people. Um, so stereotypes activate the inside codes we all have, and they're almost used like costumes, I think. Um, so you tend to see a lot of trans men and women when they first come out, uh, early in the transition, um, adopting these stereotypes almost like those costumes. Um, and I noticed uh, that quite quickly when we started uh, being friends and then when we were going out, 
there were certain things that you just would never do uh, because they were too girly or feminine. And I remember a couple of times I'd get quite uh, annoyed with you about yeah. it because I sort of felt it was wrong to categorise things as male or female. Um, but I, th- I suppose I understood at the time that that was your language to help you pass or, or fit in. Mm. Uh, and obviously in our previous podcast, we, we talked a lot about fitting in. Um, so I suppose it's really opening out to your kind of thoughts really uh, as to whether stereotypes were a big part of your early transition i'd say they definitely were i remember one of the first blogs or websites i read when i came out um and i don't know various other trans men listening to this may well have had a similar experience i know i've discussed this with um several trans guy friends that i have um there was a there was a website which had passing tips for trans men and it was basically a lot of articles basically telling trans men how to act like a stereotypical heterosexual cisgender probably white fairly middle class man um and looking at the sort of history of it it was kind of it was written it was quite old it was this was in 2008 so that's what 12 years ago now so it was kind of you know trans men were still not quite as well known in society and a lot of the trans men who'd come out at that time had previously lived as butch lesbians so I think a lot of it did come from that butch culture which does have part of it of kind of expressing certain aspects of masculinity in the way that you dress and you present so that's i guess the context of it which is important to look at um but yeah certainly it did have a lot of as you put it kind of costumes and almost like the way you coded yourself to society as being man and a lot of that was things like how you did your hair how you wore your clothes um it would have things like when you have your hair cut make sure your sideburns are a certain length or that they're not in a point that they're squared off make sure you don't have long hair make sure you wear like a shirt over an undershirt um make sure you hold yourself in a certain way don't look people in the eye you know talk in a gruff voice um don't show emotions sort of don't speak with a highly um, I don't know what's the word like emotional with lots of inflections in your voice things like that so you kind of would think about literally every little thing you did to kind of be coded as this yeah stereotypical man um, and on the one hand I think I found this helpful because it kind of was almost like a blueprint of this is how to be a man Um And yeah, to start with, I went along with it because I thought this must be, you know, the right thing to do. This is what other trans men have done. I didn't really know any other trans men at that time. So I think it was like quite a big guide to to me on how to act. Um, But it didn't always sit quite right with me. Firstly, because it kind of seemed quite a, a narrow view of what a man was. And I think, yeah, I probably did somewhere feel a bit uncomfortable about the idea of a man not being able to express emotions or a man 
having to like certain hobbies or interests um, and I probably would have felt better and more comfortable had I been able to freely talk about how I felt or um, my interests in sort of non-stereotypically masculine things like art and music and the theatre and stuff. Um, the other thing was it kind of kind of stopped me sometimes being able to express my I guess my sexuality and my um my gayness if you like my queerness um and it kind of yeah it sort of made me feel like it's almost like I jumped out of the female box which was good and I kind of needed something to help me but then I jumped into another box that wasn't quite right for me either mm. and it made me feel quite uncomfortable um, and also it quite often led me to being read either as a young man like a lad or if I was in gay spaces it got me read as a butch lesbian because that's the kind of like aesthetic and kind of mannerisms that I guess I was portraying. Um, I think it's really scary though, isn't it, in a way that, you know, it's great that there is that sort of um, easier way to be read as male. Yeah. Um, and that will help a, a lot of uh, trans men um, kind of be accepted because mm. they can activate those codes in other people. Yeah. Not in a weird mind hacking way just in the sense that we live in a really messed up sexist society yeah and if you have to use those tools to uh, allow you to safely be who you are yes then it kind of makes sense but it's terrifying isn't it that it works in a way yeah because it, it kind of means that our society does still have those stereotypical views of what a man is yeah and we have very I think our brains, even without thinking about it, see somebody and automatically code them. It's something that I know I've explored in work and you may have as well in unconscious bias and how, you know, you see a person and you automatically assume things about them based on the colour of their skin, their build, their voice, their clothing, their mannerisms, and you kind of either associate or you don't associate with them and your brain kind of uses those codes to make quick sort of identifications of this is my person or this isn't my person um so i guess the idea of kind of you know passing tips and everything is to kind of quickly be able to say to society um oh right this person's got short hair they've wearing jeans and boots and a t-shirt um, they're holding themselves with like big broad shoulders and they're walking in quite a like swaying um, like John Wayne sort of way oh this is a man um, which yeah when you're first coming out might be helpful because you're like all right this is what I need I need to be read as a man but yeah I think it can kind of lead into trans men and trans women internalizing that there's certain ways to be a man or a woman and it can mean that if you maybe don't wholly associate with those views of masculine and feminine you can still feel that there's not a place for you 
and that's not very good. I, I was going to say as well, I think, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it as well, I think, is this is often a, a sort of stick that's used to beat trans men or trans women with. Yes. Um, by maybe some of the people we don't agree with as often, so mm. maybe some of the more kind of uh, trans exclusionary kind of groups. Yeah, you know they often say, for example, they point to some of the materials that go into schools, which mm. talk about, you know, um, oh, you like football more than you like playing with dolls, therefore maybe you're more of a man. Now, you know, I genuinely don't agree with that approach. Mm. Uh, you know, me and you have had a lot of discussions about yeah. that, but. I think a lot of trans men and trans women will use these stereotypes, like we've said, as codes very early on in transition mm. to allow them to safely navigate our world. Yes. It, it's not really even like people use it to um, showcase their identity. No. It is genuinely so that you can walk into a pub and be safe. Yes. You know, and I think that's one of the things that for any of our listeners who, who may not understand why those um kind of stereotypes are used so often it is because unfortunately we live in a world which only sees people through those stereotypes mm. and so trans people when they're early in their transition have to use those stereotypes to protect themselves yeah you almost have to go like a bit over the top in kind of how you present yourself and you you think about things into such a degree like I remember one of the things I read on this website which I was talking to um a trans guy friend about recently was how it even said when you're going to the toilet make sure you wee quietly or like in a direct way because it sounds more like how a man would go for a wee and I'd never even thought about that but it was yet another pressure that made me be absolutely terrified of using public toilets and it's really sad actually that the person that wrote that had gone to such a degree of thinking that you know they were getting somebody to like think that much about what they were doing um in order to as you say feel safe in society and be able to feel like they could go into a public bathroom without being you know outed or feeling unsafe um so before we move on to the second part I suppose I'm going to ask you a really difficult question. Yeah. If you had the time again, mm. would you still do it? Not not the transition. Sorry, I realise that's a really clumsy. No, word. no, I know what you mean. Would you use the stereotypes in the way you did? I would. Interestingly, I think if I was going back to that time, maybe I still would because I wouldn't know any other way. But what I think makes me feel quite heartened is that now there's a lot more trans men and trans women who are able to express themselves in different ways and be celebrated for that um you know you see a lot more trans youtubers instagram twitter um then there's a lot more visible there's a lot of different ways to be trans and I, I would hope that if I was growing up as a young trans man now I would be able to see more people like me in society and I'd like I think I'd also like to say there is a place there's absolutely a place if if your way of expressing gender is that way that is a stereotypical if you like cisgender like 
man who likes women, who likes football, who wears certain clothing, that's great. That's you. Go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes there's a little bit of a backlash at the moment as like anybody that does act that way is kind of seen in a negative way of like, oh, they're just going along with, you know, the stereotypes. If that genuinely is your identity, go for it, embrace it, do it. But if your identity is to have long hair, to wear more clingy clothing, to be arty, to have lots of piercings and tattoos, go for that as well. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. And we'll move on to the next part of the uh, podcast. So the other interesting thing about using stereotypes as a language or a code and we've obviously um, given a great big spoiler for this when, when <laughs> you introduce the podcast, uh, is that it can also act as a prison. Mm. So, in a sense, by, by focusing on the stereotypes of what a man is, and you touched on some of this earlier, mm. um, you end up drawing on some of the negatives, uh, you know, what I suppose people are increasingly calling uh, toxic masculinity. Yes. Uh, and I know we've had a few different experiences of this yeah. uh, with each other over the years. Uh, so do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, of course. So in one of my previous jobs, um, I hung out with a lot of male colleagues. Um, and they were, they were both straight and they were both kind of your typical sort of blokey blokes in the kind of almost like most negative ways of that kind of toxic masculinity in the fact that they talked quite in a derogative way about women. It was all about what women look like, whether they kind of were thin enough or pretty enough or dressed in a certain way. Um, they wanted to go to the pub and drink all the time. They were always very competitive in the gym. Um, they'd joke and have banter with each other about like their looks and body part sizes and things like that um and yeah it was I guess it was difficult for me to sort of go into that environment but unfortunately maybe rather than challenging it what I did was I went along with it because I really wanted to be one of the lads and in a sense I liked being one of the lads it made me feel affirmed in my masculinity the fact that they never knew I was trans, the fact they just accepted me as, you know, yeah, one of the boys and would invite me to the pub, invite me to rugby, um, invite me to hang out with them. It did make me feel quite affirmed as a man. However, it also left me feeling always a bit guilty and a bit sort of almost like uncomfortable and sort of like oh I should have challenged that oh I should have challenged that and yeah it was always I think like you said at the start it did make me feel like I was kind of in another sort of prison of like oh this isn't what I wanted being a man to be you know and I know that you used to get upset about some of the things I used to do and say around that time yeah, I remember, um, you know, obviously, I mean, this in genuine love, but you were a bit of a dick sometimes yep. when they, yeah. when you'd hung around with those yeah. guys. Um, I never really 
met them. I think I couldn't stand them if I'm entirely honest. Yeah. Um, but there was this really strange, hyper masculine kind of attitude you had yeah. when you'd been around with yeah. them, and uh, I really, really just didn't like it. You know, and I try not to be judgmental, and if that was how you needed to express yourself at the time, but you know, it, it was just a bit very strange. But, um. You know, the things that upset me rather than that, you know, which was, I think, just you probably going through like a mini teenage boy phase. Yeah. Kind of early in your transition yeah. after starting tea yeah. and kind of doing all those low key things, things you yeah. never had a chance to do. So I was always understanding of it. But the things that bothered me more was when um, you kind of would attack the sort of things that I see as really big strengths of yeah. mine. You know, and, and so I consider myself obviously a man, and um, you know I'm not a stereotypical man, but um, actually I consider myself quite resilient and strong. Yeah. But in a way that I am proud of. So you know I have sensitivity, kindness, empathy, gentleness. Mm. You know, when me and you laugh all the time because I remember I went for a job years ago and told uh, one of the interview panel that uh, I'm a gentle person and I do things in my own way and mm. I'm not in your face and going to be aggressive and you know one of the bits of feedback that came through was that they didn't have confidence I would be able to handle you know the difficult conversations in the role yeah. you know which always made me laugh because <laughs> I can handle difficult conversations you know but yeah that that didn't feature in your mind no. as anything that was masculine no. and actually maybe it's not and it doesn't really matter if it is or isn't but the fact was I was a man yeah and I was empathetic gentle and kind and it felt that these stereotypes that had helped you out of one prison had locked you right back in another which was this really two-dimensional idea of what being a man was and yeah. I remember that was probably what a lot of our arguments were about yeah. differently yeah. at the start of our relationship yeah definitely um, and I think it probably did lead me to becoming quite ill with my mental health because I saw it as a weakness to talk to people about it um, I didn't want to express any time I felt unsure or anxious about something so instead that would come out as anger um i found it quite embarrassing to you know go to the doctor and talk about how i felt or to open up to friends um i was yeah i think i was quite sort of negative about things like being able to talk to you know people from different backgrounds being able to be kind, be gentle. I think I, yeah, you're right. I ended up in a situation where I saw those as weaknesses, um, rather than, rather than strengths. Um, I think one thing that's helped me sort of change the way I see that. I now work in an atmosphere where it's it can be quite sort of macho at times, um, and the people I work with have come from quite often quite masculine traditionally masculine um professions and to start with i think i and you know i still do to some extent have times where i feel less of a man sometimes compared to some of the guys i work with that you know do a lot of fitness run marathons um 
lift lots of weights are like decisive and all of those things that are kind of seen as that traditionally sort of manly thing um but I think I'm also starting to see that the bits of my character that people like are the sensitive bits. They're the bits that, you know, I go out, well, before COVID, would go out in cars with um, my colleagues to drive to, to do work. And people from all different backgrounds would open up to me about their problems. Um, one thing I do with work is work with bereaved people and people are really grateful sometimes to have a man to talk to but a man who is sensitive and who will listen to them so I think actually I'm starting to kind of put that together and to sort of see that those bits of my character that sensitivity kindness they they can be good things and they don't invalidate anything about my manness um and they might not be traditionally masculine, but they're not bad things. And they don't, yeah, they, you can still be a man without being masculine. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because the pressure um, that society puts on people to act in certain ways can often end us and end up, sorry, hiding our strengths. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, just very briefly um, before we finish, I, I think that's, the same sort of thing with with some of the stereotypes around being a gay man. Yes. Um, you know, how from the straight community you're expected as a gay man to be a certain way. Mm. Um, you know, are you expected to be a hag fag, uh, to talk to women about their boyfriends? Are you meant to be good at makeup or choosing shoes? You know, uh, really interested in fashion and, you know, yeah, some of that is true for for me and a lot of it isn't you know you never want me to do your makeup <laughs> well not yours but anyone who's listening um but it really it's really interesting because you know then you get a reverse pressure from the gay um community yes. i suppose parts of it where you know a lot of gay men are, are not happy to be seen as being effeminate yes you know and i was just wondering you know particularly as a trans gay man whether, whether that's a again a different sort of view of pressure yeah i think i've described it to myself as a sort of being in multiple closets and kind of having to emerge from multiple closets um because you want to be seen as manly enough to be considered a man but you also want to want to be seen as gay as well so that can sometimes be quite difficult and um, particularly again going back to the start something I found in early transition was in order to kind of dress and act in a way that looked like a man it meant minimizing any kind of queer aspects of my character and it was only when I started tea and started to have those codes if you like again going back to the start of having a beard of having a deeper voice and a flat chest that actually I could you know express myself in a more queer sort of way um so yeah I think there's lots of multiple identities and they can lead to multiple boxes and multiple prisons but also yeah I think there's no right and wrong way to be a man there's no right and wrong way to be a trans man or a gay man or any other type of part of the lgbt community 
Um, and I think if you're someone listening to this, I suppose, it it's to not expect trans people to fit into any box. Yeah. You know, and I think that comes out a lot in some of the arguments mm. that are had online or, or you know, yeah. physically, but particularly online, you know... <sighs> People will pick one or two or three mm. uh, trans people, you know, and, and almost broadcast and showcase their approach as yeah. why it's wrong to be trans or right to be trans. You know, and actually, I'm hoping that some of the complications we've kind of floated up today mm. will help anyone listening realise that things are just more complicated. Yeah. That, you know, it's not about, you know, all trans people subscribing to stereotypes or none of them. You know, it, it's about these are some of the thought processes that trans people will go through. Yeah. And, you know, this is a massive conversation, which we've shortened into about half an hour, you know, so I imagine we'll talk about it more again. But that's, yeah. I suppose, what I wanted our listeners to get out of today. I, I don't know whether you wanted to have the last word on that. I think what you said is really good. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, people are people at the end of the day. Um, trans people, yeah, like anybody, feel free to express yourself in whatever way that makes you comfortable. Um and hopefully, you know, we'll get to that sense of a, a bit of a, a nice dream of people can act however they want and doesn't matter how you identify, you're still valid as a person. Brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you.